1: Happy Friday. We've survived another week. This is Heidi Hatch with KUTV. I am joined by Greg Hughes, who has said himself that he's a bit cantankerous today. That's right. Citizen Hughes,
2: from the chief seats, ranting well before this program and podcast began. I've had a lot to say.
1: And Mara Carabello is here too. And I'm nothing but reasonable today. (laughs)
2: Oh, yeah, right.
1: (laughs) This whole week to me seemed, I don't know what it is, but you know how you have a week where you feel like you're kind of in a funk? I keep waiting for the not Monday feels to come and it's Friday and and I still feel like it. Long week. Yeah. So anyhow, I'm glad we've made it through this week. Um, Some big news coming out today. A couple things I want to hit really quickly. Uh, The Rittenhouse trial that I think a lot of people have been watching uh, came to an end today after three days of deliberations. Uh, The jury has reached their verdict. The 18-year-old uh, will walk free, uh, not guilty on all charges. Mara, I'll let you start on this. I know a lot of people are watching this, and it seems like forever ago since we've had all of these protests in the streets. Um was justice served? Should there be any questions following this? Do we do a great job at what we do here in this country? We have to say good job, jury and take a deep breath. Or yeah.
0: what? I mean, it was a it was a tough one from my seat. Clearly, I don't think justice was served. I um I think he was not held accountable and, you know, I'm always going to go back to the bigger subject of our relationship, America's relationship with guns and violence and rights and I'm going to pull it all in, we've got to figure it out before we're at flashpoints. And um, I, I think this is a, a horrible travesty, a reinforcement of a hierarchy in America that of who's important and who's not. And so from my seat, I, I think we failed the system, but I would say um, – we failed a few steps earlier with the rioting itself and with our lack of understanding about the frustrations in America, which the right has pointed out, as well as the left. And then we also have a really a big problem with guns and violence. A
1: domino of badness. One thing I was disappointed in is, um, I think it was a few days ago before the jury got the deliberations they dropped the charge where um, he had the gun as a minor. Right. And I think that, in my mind, is important to keep because, I mean, he wasn't obeying the law in that regard, and even if he would have been found not guilty on these charges, you have to respect what the jury decides. I think it's important to have the rule of law and look at even those small charges and issues like this, but judges get to be in charge. so That's right. Yeah.
2: I I, I, I didn't follow it word for word, day by day, but I did watch and, and, and listen to the details, watch the testimony and the wrap-ups in, each evening, and I think it was clear that he was defending himself. He went with a medic kit. He went with his gun. He went to protect property that was being destroyed. He was invited by someone to go there. Uh, he doesn't live that far from that area, and uh, he was being chased. And he was, and there was someone who pointed a gun at him that he shot at. And and the others that attacked him were attacking. I mean, he was defending himself. I thought it was so clear that it was self-defense. I think that the ju- the judge, as I remember it, Heidi, and I don't know enough about it to to have a land on an opinion, but I thought that the reason that was that charge was dropped is the judge had said they hadn't. Made the case that at seventeen mm, he wasn't maybe. able to have that gun specifically. They didn't make a, the case well enough for it to be a charge that would stick. But either way, I just I, the bigger fear for me is you saw that the that the MSNBC reporter got pulled over by the police because they were ran a red light following the juror bus. Found out that they were asked to follow the jurors home to see where they lived. They were they were banned from the courthouse I think yesterday or today whenever that occurred. There was a concerted effort to intimidate the judge to intimidate the jurors to intimidate the attorneys in this case uh there were death threats there were uh in the post interviews you heard this from the defense attorneys and and what they received by way of uh threats i look i just would love to see us all just uniformly as americans regardless of party affiliation be against lawlessness let's just say we want public safety and we don't want lawlessness and we have to just be lady justice blind about it and if we just start deciding it's okay in certain circumstances because our politics might match or it's not okay because our politics don't, don't match uh, that's that's chaos that's going to turn into anarchy at some point so i just i hope that we can just move on and i uh, personally i can hear and here that, that people had different takeaways from that case to me it was a clear uh, example and justification of self-defense i thought the jury got it right but wherever you are in this can we not see looting? Can we not see more violence? Can we not see can we just try to, you know, just figure out a better way to do it than we've done it up till now? Yeah, just we don't generally. have a
1: perfect system in our country, but I think we have to trust the system and trust our jurors. I think we need to not chase our jurors down and because jurors are doing a hard job. Can you imagine having to make decisions like this and then worrying when you go home who's following you and uh what's going to happen afterwards? So I think we have to be really careful of obeying the law and I think levels. that Greg's
0: right that the bigger risk now is that um the application of any sort of process justice system is now more and more being seen through the eye of whether I agree with it right. or not right not whether it is what you know it is what it is and I think more and more are confusing what our ability is to intervene instead of respecting the systems because these systems have served us well. They're not infallible for sure, but um, I, the, the intimidation that is going on in so many aspects yeah. of American public policy conversations or civic conversations mm-hmm. is something that we all need to check really pretty strongly
2: right now. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's getting to the point where uh, you can potentially be censored uh, in your comments on social media, uh, more based on the interpretation of what you're saying. Sounds terroristic if you don't subscribe to the p- political point of view. Versus someone from another point of view, political point of view that may say something very similar, but you think they're actually right in what they're saying. Um, I, I can I can do it without regard to which party we're talking about. I can I can find examples of people tolerating things they shouldn't, accepting things they shouldn't sure. based on politics. And we got to we got to stop. I mean, I I, I'm as political as anyone is, but I to our institutional, you know, criminal justice system and public safety and everything else. We we just have to tone it down. I just swear we just got to figure out how to dialogue with these things like we do in take two. Maybe I don't know but That's right. I don't know just nobody a lot brings, of drama a lot of drama guns into the word fight here <laughs> yeah.
1: maybe we need to have a pat down before we head in here we're a peaceful happy bunch uh also this morning um i have no idea what time they actually made the vote i was up really late last night and i was listening to uh kevin mccarthy um give his very long speech you. on the us house floor but at some point i was like i've had enough of this and then I had a sleep in Friday and I woke up and my phone said, oh, look, they voted on it. So the Build Back uh, Better plan was voted on mostly by party lines, it looks like, in the House and will be heading on now to the Senate. Uh, there's a lot of money. The CBO, Greg, when they look at this, um, shows maybe different numbers than what both sides were saying. Their estimates are that um, the Build Back Better Act would increase outlays by $80 billion and then revenues would come in by $207 billion. They say in the end, decreasing the deficit by 127 billion dollars through 2031. Will this actually, if it passes, match up to what you believe the CBO is laying out here? Where you know this might be good for our country. No, and maybe I, we'll be saving money.
2: I, you know, look, it's human infrastructure. It's uh, it's probably what largest social program since I don't know LBJ or what I don't know. I, don't I think know probably. So it's 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 very very aggressive. I don't know, do they have does Manchin going to vote for this? Is it does it have the votes in the Senate? I don't know. I know the numbers lower, so maybe it does. It was 3 billion at one point. I'm just not a big, you know, if people don't like supply side economics or trickle down economics or Reaganomics, I'm I equally don't like And I do like those things. I equally don't like that the government spending money somehow ignites economies and makes uh, the economy stronger and lowers deficits. It just seems like more government spending. And and when you get into human infrastructure, that's in the eye of the beholder. And so you start to see social engineering when you talk about human infrastructure. And that's the other thing that I think is a slippery slope. I mean, once you become – take it from our state or any state. Once you become dependent on federal funds – it's it goes back to where the federal government can say if you don't if you're taking our funds we get to have more say than if you don't and the more you get into that relationship the more you're going to be taking your your orders from a a beltway that i think isn't very functional and i i think it makes uh, the states that that take that federal money and use it i think it makes us weaker as uh sovereign states
1: and i'm not an economist here and uh maybe one of you can answer this, but I was listening to a podcast the other day, and I think I've heard this from Senator Mitt Romney as well. Uh, He's probably one of the rich that will be getting taxed, you know, at a higher amount. But the reason why some of these larger corporations don't pay as many taxes is they, there's a lot of loopholes in there, and there's a lot of ways to get around how you pay these taxes. There's a belief that, you know, even though they're saying that if we tax uh, the rich and get all of this money that we'll pay for it, that maybe we can't count on that money, Mara, because maybe they'll take their business overseas or they'll change how they file or that money really won't be there. So we'll put this system in place, we'll have all the spending going, and then all of a sudden these large corporations will go overseas or tax their money or put it someplace else where we don't have those funds that we have. Yeah, can't I mean, do. that
0: certainly is what the rich are saying of taxing the rich. And I think that uh, this bill doesn't hold that the taxable authority will. End up that way. I mean, I think if I were on the Republican side, what they're watching for is would the spending stop when the Democrats say the spending's supposed to stop, and that's the key to yeah, long-term that's deficit actually reduction. Better way to put it. that's and more, so that's right. That's- and- And so, I mean, I think that's going to be something to really watch out for. What's interesting is CBO was in the middle of the White House. The White House's version is more sanguine, right? The White House is saying this is going to really just be good and and everyone's going to be happy afterwards. CBO is a little more conservative. Republicans, I think, now are sorting through where they want. The Senate Republicans are probably focusing um, a little bit more. I do think that the techniques in the bill that they're using, which is increased um, taxation and then some more increased enforcement, not ridiculous enforcement where they were. Remember, mm-hmm. we had the conversation about we all have our bank accounts looked yeah. at. That kind of enforcement went away. The, one of the other mechanisms that they're suggesting in this bill to reduce or to create income is more procedurals by the IRS to say, hey, we can get, get more taxes. One thing I'll say about the components of this bill is that from my seat, There's nothing new. So it's not like sometimes when Congress is doing a big old Christmas tree and they throw in this completely new programming, really untested, no matter whose side that is, it always makes me nervous, particularly if it's squeezed into a big price tag. I will say the components of this bill, by and large, are measures that we've talked about for years. Paternity leave, Children and Family Act, individually- I think that most Americans support all the elements of this. Now, that distinguishes itself from saying you want it all at once. I mean, I'm not – the collective is worrisome. I think when you come in and want to collectively do something, that's when people say, okay. But I will say – the individual elements of this bill have a ton of popularity. Uh, Greg said, right, the test will be in the more moderate Senate if they can pass this with no margins on it. But if the Democrats can do this right, I think it's going to be very hard for the Republicans to carve out some of what are very, very popular and proven successful. These are not necessarily your traditional Social spending where you're making people dependent, to be honest. A lot of these mechanisms free people up, particularly the child care and the family stuff the, that really Mara, frees up families to do much I don't better know in America. Is if,
2: if what you're describing is the bulk of that bill or if those are the highlights that make the bill feel more palatable, but if you get into the four thousand pages or however many pages it sure. is, there's way, way more uh, detail and spending in areas that are not child care. Okay? And I don't or know if anyone's some read of those the more full bill yet, if it's
1: actually been printed and that's and the thing shared. is it like
2: I don't even know who's even gotten through the whole thing the phone book of a bill to to know but I, I that, my big fear isn't even to argue what you're saying it's that is that the shiny object that is more intuitive that people would be like oh yeah that's okay right. and the, and then the devil's in the details or is what you've just described the 80 90% of what that bill is that's what right. that's my my concern is the
1: devil in the details because I think we all know that sometimes you pass these behemoth you know bills and you just don't know what's in them and i can't remember who was on the podcast recently maybe it was senator colamore but he was talking about it's like when you want to remodel your house and most people don't have the money to just go in and do it so you pick your project right. and it's it's not like not all the projects don't need to be done they do but each family picks okay i can afford the kitchen i'm going to get the kitchen i'm going to figure out the budget i'm going to make it work and when that gets done i'll move on to the next one and i think sometimes when you take on all of it at once you don't understand all the details. You don't understand all the movie parts. And do we have the money? Is it going to work? Well, and
0: I mean, I think the challenge with Congress, too, and the federal government is we very seldom undo what we've done. And that's, that's always right. the concern for me, is that states have a better record of going, eh, maybe it didn't work, I'll claw it back. And maybe even taking responsibility there. And for me, good leadership is the review of the action. And the problem with the devil in the details is that it gets stacked on top of other decisions that we didn't undo from 10 years ago. And I will say, I, I, I will be a liberal who says, <laughs> I, am, I, I was heartened by the CBO forecast in terms of, I don't think this is a deficit buster that we thought it was going to be. But I will say, in America, between climate change and what we're doing with our budget, I don't know that we're serving the next generation particularly well right, right now.
2: My cynicism on how the tax the rich will be taxed is that if I saw Facebook or all these tech companies that have a lot of money and their own, you know, their founders are billionaires and everything else. If they weren't so, so concerned about tax relief when they want to come to a respective state or community to to set up shop, they want tax breaks. They want uh, incentives to do it. They, They just pinch and squeeze every single red cent the amount that those companies, when they want to come to your state, are demanding to be to relocate or to locate in your state. Um, if this idea that we're just going to tax billionaires a whole lot more, the dollars are talking about there, Zuckerberg's going to pay way more in taxes than he's sitting there grinding the state of Utah for tax breaks for Facebook. So wh- why are they swallowing a camel over here and you know, straining at the gnats of the of the business they want to put in in Utah. I think my
1: throat hurts just thinking about swallowing. Extreme. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm
2: just telling you what I think. It's what you said, Heidi. I think that they're going to borrow money and pay the interest, and it'll still be less out of their pocket paying interest on loan borrowed money than actually earning it and paying the taxable amount on what they earn. They're, they have accountants. They're not going to. they are not going to pay. And if you saw them pay, I think you would see a reaction much like their businesses react to tax burden when they come into a respective state and want to See tax relief. So, to everyone's come there.
1: not going to be Elon Musk and sell off a bunch of their stock and get some money they can give to the government. But Americans' preference for the rich needs to stop. I mean, you're not. Never prefer- seen-
2: I'm not. I'm actually you, being critical. I know of them.
0: you are. I, 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 but I mean, I. you've never seen a generation, Republican conservative, that has had such a preference for propping up the upper echelons and having them, and I'm going to use an often used, overused term, having them not pay their fair share. No,
2: I want has, them to, but I, I, I don't think this with is you. it. I We're act. gonna storm the castle and stop peeling the grapes <laughs>
1: for you or whatever you I get. I truly do. Rich. <laughs> anyway, I want to be rich someday so somebody can try to tax me like a lot of rich. Well, and just one know. of
0: the richest. I don't remember his name. Doggone it. The Utah who's richer than rich and took the 90% pledge last Oh, yeah. I've never I've heard that guy's name, name before. I, I don't think, I he oh, I think he lives in Utah. I think maybe a
1: BYU graduate and has a company. I've forgotten yeah. his name too, but he's taken that pledge, which is an awesome pledge that when you die or before you die, at some point, 90% of your wealth. I think it's a great pledge. Yeah,
0: I think it's awesome. So You're still leaving your kids with too much money to spend. and Yeah, those kids,
1: kids don't Warren need that Buffett much Warren Buffett said
2: that trust funds and welfare are the same thing, free money. It's not a way to earn it. Best way to appreciate it is to earn it. Earn success is the is the is the way to build your life and your self confidence. And, and he's and a simple so,
1: living man. I think he lives in the house that when he got married lives in that it probably cost him like thirty five thousand dollars or something. So Yeah, I mean
2: yeah. I, I, I buy into that that concept of free money disconnects you from the work it takes to earn it and what it takes to feel earned success in your life. So I I, I do think that trust fund babies are soft. That's right. what I'm going to say. So we
0: just took after everybody.
2: I did. I'm going to lie. I told you I was kid any money from Sorry, Draper. kids. You're not getting, you live in Draper. You're Draper soft inherently. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: Speaking of money, uh, on the opposite end, Utah ended up with a surplus of $614 million. I'd like to pat ourselves on the back, but I don't know that we deserve a pat because it seems to me like maybe all the federal money that was flowing into our coffers kind of kept them overflowing. So I guess we didn't overspend. Uh, Greg, is there a wise way to spend this money or should we put it in a little savings account? What's the best way to use it?
2: Every time I, when I was in the legislature back in my day, um, if you have a surplus, you have to really look and see if you're in a cycle. I, I even think the way they project surpluses now, they, 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 uh, they're very conservative now how they're estimating what ongoing, like what you think is going to keep coming every year by way of an increase.
1: So they try to overimagine how much we're going yeah, to Yeah, so
2: spend. they take, so instead of having these wi- wild peaks where they'll say, mm-hmm. the ongoing money is, is going up by 10% and it's going to do that forever, knowing that there's cycles. They're mm-hmm. trying to trim that down and be more conservative in their estimates. Uh, by doing that, I, I honestly think that tax relief or how people are taxed Ought to be stared at uh, in those moments because if you can keep more money in households if people have more of their money to spend if you're a business and you have more money to invest i really think that's the key to economic prosperity so i think that if we're able to pay all the bills if we can see a the growth of our state being addressed as best we can and we have a surplus we ought to be looking at, at, at tax relief and tax cuts in those times because again uh, you can always find ways to spend but like
1: designer shoes and bridges. It and doesn't roads. need to be. I does, want a Gucci and Prada bridge. It
2: can get unsustainable <laughs> if you get too hungry for those. So we're. Do you coming, remember the game Hungry Hungry Hippo? I do. do I loved that. I liked that. Yeah. It broke a lot though. It feels, it feels, I don't want to, you know. It feels that the budget can feel like that.
0: So we have this interesting surplus that's laid on top of ARPA money or federal money, right? So they've got lots of money right now. I view it as we are in the midst of 10, what? 10, 15 years of growth and we're headed into hopefully another 10, 15 years more. So I think while our capacity is so big right now, we have to be thinking generationally because it won't always be there. So mm-hmm. I don't much think of, I think in general, the the opinion research I've seen is that Utahns by and large think they're doing okay. So I would probably plant that money. Um, I'd, I'd shore up our, our rainy day account, which served us well. Um, at the beginning of COVID, I would make sure that was at the health levels that our legislative leaders want it to be. And then I would double down on infrastructure again. And I, think that um we are a growing state and one of the things that we know to be true regardless of who is in the white houses in congress the federal government is no longer paying for what they used to pay for in the 40s uh, that 50s is and true 60s. especially in infrastructure water, water rail heavy the money matches, monies, yeah. big money like one little project is two and three and billions when you're of talking dollars, dams
2: reservoirs they, you know all those things
0: and so i i between ARPA money, between the new federal money and our surplus, I would sort of save a little bit of it, but I would really do these incredibly expensive, big generational infrastructure projects that you never have the bandwidth to do. And I'll tell you who sure doesn't have it is the counties and the cities. So I would collaborate very strongly with their needs. Now to be honest on federal money this is exactly the model the state is currently using. So I I, I didn't invent anything. They've been doing it but I would say for me our day to day is pretty under control but I am not sure if our growth has now been fully taken care of from an infrastructure. I don't think we've
1: done a good job at that because I even remember when they built Bangor Highway. We I go back to this because I live on the west side of the right. Salt Lake Valley and I think about it and I remember when they built it it was already too busy and too much right. traffic and I'm assuming they didn't have the money at the time to do all the freeway interchanges yeah. but I look at that and that just seems like a poor planning nightmare. And I'm sure there were reasons why they did Uh, it, but we're growing and we just can't keep up with the growth. So as soon as we fix the problem, I feel like we have to refix the problem. And
2: the problem problem. with that is that when 80% of your population lives in four counties out of 29, I don't think we'll ever get in front of the infrastructure needs. If we're going to continue to to imagine that this growing population that we have in Utah, we're going to shoehorn into the Wasatch front that's surrounded by mountains. I mean, you cannot sprawl it out, and I don't. I think the quality of life de- decreases as we try to do it this way. If you keep trying to fit everybody here, if everything's uh, focused on the Wasatch Front, your quality of life's going to go down, your cost of living's going to go up, your air quality's going to be lousy. We have got to ignite. We have great counties outside the Wasatch Front. We have to see the infrastructure, the water infrastructure, rail and road. Let these corporations and let businesses Take greater advantage of these outlying counties that have been shrinking. The irony being, we're a growing state, and we have communities in rural areas. We've heard of Blanding, Monticello. yeah. Know, it's like, is how sad is it that Furnal. you have we have all this growth, but you have communities and families that see their kids as soon as they hit their twenties, early tw- late teens, early twenties, they're leaving to go to school to go to uh, to start a career. They're they can't leaving to stay, yeah. and so that you got you have counties that are cleaning out and they're leaving those areas. We need to see those counties really bloom. We need to see the infrastructure. Uh, investment in those counties so that those young people that live and grow up in those areas can stay there and raise a family. And look, if my kids can't afford to live in Wasatch Front, I would love for them to live in another county in Utah versus move out of the state. And have to live somewhere else completely because we can't keep shoehorning everybody into these four counties of the Wasatch But Trump. I think
0: Heidi said it well, instead of just keeping up with the problems, which we have been, we've been pacing with yeah. them, this should give us the chance yeah. in rural Utah or then at least the next five counties out <laughs> sure, um, to get in front of some of it. And what that will require is a little bit of courage because when you get in front of need, then you're in vision, and people don't necessarily see what you see. And so, the biggest thing that we're going to need is some political courage to step forward a little bit and imagine and build things that we don't need now. So, some, but we're some sexy need in the highways future. in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> super sexy. Like, Why exactly. did we
1: build that way Why are out there? These six it lanes? sounds like you're
2: talking about Mountain View Corridor. That was kind of <laughs> one of those. What in the world are you building a highway yeah. out there for? And it's starting to make more sense now. So
1: that's what I'd like to see. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, this was a surprise to me last night. Uh, there was the shortest city council meeting ever in sandy city they voted mara uh to reject uh the election which i believe i'm still sorting this out in my mind i think there's been maybe a hand recount where they checked a certain amount of ballots and signatures on it for sandy city and then uh finalized the vote but the city council is now asking uh the county recorder to go through and actually rerun all the ballots again it came down to 21 votes there is it a good idea when it's that close or should we say the vote is done so this is the so hard i remember sitting at an so airport in
2: tampa where you told me that these margins were so far apart that the irv well, wasn't going to be were a problem
0: 57 or something yeah, which so would have been big enough
2: how do you but do it with irv here's what's
0: really interesting is we don't have the answer and what <laughs> is really frustrating <laughs> the gray for, for the county clerk uh, i think
2: can I, so can someone no, acknowledge you, that i t- i told you so could you just say you Hughes, you were right you three did weeks call ago. that out in the Thank potty you. area i'm not planning
0: to say that i know you won't um so but what's interesting is solid County Clerk is saying I flagged this as soon as the legislation passed. I said I need a recall, I need a recall. So Sherry Swenson is saying, "Oh my gosh, you guys, I told you this. The one thing that happened, which is so curious showing how slim we are, an automatic recall would have been 19 votes. So at 19 votes they would have had an automatic recount. So according to the county clerk, she did an automatic recount, but they used electronics. And so it's
2: so... They just hit the enter button twice. That's all they do. It doesn't matter. Greg's
0: exactly right. They were like, that's (laughs) not really a recount so much as you just hitting the button twice and refreshing what you already did. So the council is saying, no, we want a hand count. Um, But... It doesn't qualify under current law for a hand count. For a hand count, it would have had to have been a margin of nineteen,
2: and it's a margin. of But do of you know the consider- brain damage of recounting a IRV vote? I mean, you do. You, I mean, I it's, can't even begin how that re- of, hand recount it, would even work. Hang- that's what you have computers <laughs> yeah. for. This is See, what I have hated about, about it all count, from the beginning. Because
1: when they say hand recount. Sometimes in a county, that means they take a percentage or just a piece of those ballots and they double check the votes on those and the signatures. and which then you can't do. What, yeah. Which you can't do, but I thought they were asking that they all just get rerun through the machines. What specifically are they asking for? Because I was a little confused last night. Does anyone know?
0: I think they're a little confused. I think what they're distinguishing is what Greg said. They're saying, no, a recount isn't you just doing what you did before electronically. And then I think everyone, including the county clerk, is saying do tell us what that means then. Because to Greg's point, am I just going buying truckloads of different color post-it notes and putting those up on the board? And how does one- one I want
2: a recording of- our podcast works. a number a few weeks ago where i flagged have this very i said you this did. could be the problem the chain of custody and how these votes get counted and when you put them into the algorithms that do the irv it becomes so less Greg, clear, just want to be clear how to nobody's, count those votes
0: nobody's talking about chain of custody or voter fraud no, fraud yeah. we're, t- we're talking about margin of error which is a totally different no, thing. but Mr. isn't
2: isn't it the case though that they want to make sure that the way that's it's Hearing those votes that they're clearly marked the way they were counted, or aren't they trying to Aren't they trying to check the accuracy of the ballots to make sure they're? I think
0: they're trying to just re so in an automatic recount, it's just that it's so close. It's not an integrity issue, it's sort of a margin of error issue. Now, I do before we finish this, I do want to <laughs> give Jim Bennett a shout out here because he's been classy the whole time. I thought
1: the same thing last night because he uh, mentioned, you know, he said, I don't think this is going to change anything, but if it helps the confidence of our new mayor, it's a good thing. Uh, he said, you know, I really don't think it's going to change. And I think he appreciated uh, that... Monica Zelansky also, and I was trying to remember her name off the top of my head. Monica Z is what she goes by. Right. Uh, he said that he appreciated that she seconded the motion, although when we did an interview with her later in the night, I don't think she appreciated that she had to be the person to second the motion <laughs> because she was ready to take over as mayor, not as a counselor again. And so I'm sure the emotions are all over the place because both of them have probably been on the highs and the lows. If the it isn't on
2: weeks. the accuracy of the, how the voter filled out the ballot, how would a vote change? If I don't know. Maybe that. like if the ballots what,
1: stuck together when isn't it got that what, through maybe. Oh,
2: that they st- – because that's all I thought you could do in a recount is make sure that what you counted as a vote was a was legitimate a ballot I think they filled actually, out the like, right way. they actually
1: take the ballots and, like, re-feed them to the machine That's just what
0: in I think. case, it's like...
1: A, they re-physically feed them just in case there was an operator error. Huh. And, like, you <clears> know <throat> when you have a calculator and somebody gives you 50 numbers and you're adding it up and you do it three times mm-hmm. so you get three different numbers? I feel like it's probably that where you do it enough times where you're like, okay, wait, this is the right number right here where you forgot to punch in one number, or one ballot didn't well, get in, we or a are, couple stuck we are, together. We will
2: know. learn a lot about how this process works. Does the law the need e. to
1: change though? Cause obviously it feels like our law doesn't have the proper nuances for doing uh, these know, ranked choice voting. Yeah, Maybe I'm like, wrong.
2: Well, I go back to, I just think you gotta have primaries in general elections. I, I think the ranked choice what makes it a lot ranked more. You liked rank choice nope. a
1: few months ago. You're such
0: a liar. Nope, Your I, pants I'm, are on fire nope, right now. I'm
2: watching this. I don't Whatever. like it. I like, so I like I'm just clear saying, counts ranked, of votes. Ranked
0: choice voting, I think did service really well in municipal elections. I think we should continue to Invest a couple cycles. I don't think we're ready to have a statewide conversation about this right now, but I would be happy to see us do rank choice a few more times in municipal elections.
1: Yeah. Okay, we got to move on. We only have a couple minutes before we have to be out of here today, but I want to talk about a story I was working on over the last um, – Weeks and months about Utah birth certificate forms uh, here in the state of Utah. If you haven't had a baby in the last few years, there's more than a hundred questions. There's a lot of them about how much you weigh at birth, if you used a sperm donor, how often you brush your teeth, you what vitamins what? you took, <laughs> sperm donor. <laughs> okay, sperm donor. Uh, let me pronounce that better. A sperm donor. Uh, so anyhow, I heard there's an like an N in
2: there l- somewhere. I I, uh,
1: sperm donor. Yeah. I don't know. I'm. It's Friday. So anyhow, they have all these questions that you have to answer, and the thing is, is that it's sort of a hostage situation where you answer all these questions within eight hours at the hospital or you don't get a birth certificate uh when we went to the health department to ask them questions now granted it took them a few weeks to be ready to talk to us they said you're right these are not all required we're going to make some changes government rarely says that kind of thing uh mara they're making changes uh they say they're going to be getting ready some of these questions they're now going to give women an opportunity to go online and they're going to build a website where you can ask for your information to be recalled because they're using this for studies. I should give some more background here too. They don't charge anyone to sell this information, but they do charge a fee. So if someone wants to do a study, they can get all this information. And it's a treasure trove of information, 50,000 babies a year with all this information. Have we gone wrong or was the state they were fine. It's good information. Well, we're going to so save first, lives. so
0: first, hats off for your reporting, pushing, yes, and making thank you. a change. So that, that I thought was a great... Um, as I've been following this story, a couple things. One... The egregiousness of having this happen to a woman who is still in the hospital recovering from giving birth. Um, so just like who they're insisting on this information from. I fail to believe that this is just, ah, uh, shucks, that we missed a couple things when it's almost a hundred questions. That is years of piling on top of. And the incongruousness of the questions really bring into um, question the research credibility of it. I mean, it is it is all over the place. This is not a well-crafted, well-structured, I'm not even on the part where they shouldn't have asked for it, but just the crafting of the questionnaire itself fails to represent good research.
1: Yeah, and it seems like every year they've added on about right. four questions. It's like, oh, how about this? Or what about this? And so they're adding this on. I thought the interesting thing though is usually when we do stories and you go to a government body and say, hey, what about this? They usually are like, We'll look at it and you don't hear back from them. But it was an immediate, you're right, this was not all required. We have our lawyers, we're looking at it. So I don't know if they felt like... So that doesn't relax me. That doesn't no. make me think,
0: wow, they're on top of it. It makes me yeah, think,
2: I, I
1: oh, wow, you guys it's,
2: really... It, yeah, it's called indefensible. Yes. It's indefensible. And when they find out that they've been found out, they are immediately trying to repair that. And, and the fact that they did it so quickly, the thing that makes me angry is... For them to react that quickly, Heidi means they've known that this is an indefensible position, and that they had they couldn't even slow bake you into looking at it. They knew they were wrong, and and at the same time, they know they're wrong. They are still distributing that form and that questionnaire longer than they should have, knowing that they shouldn't. And interestingly enough, it only took one
1: mom, Ivy Estabrook, who questioned this because I think most moms are probably crazy frustrated feeling it out, you're trying to learn how to breastfeed your baby, you're hormonal, you don't feel great, you're recovering from a surgery or C-section sometimes, you're trying to bond with your baby you're not sleeping, and all of a sudden you have to fill out this form. So most moms are probably like, oh, i got to fill it out. And I think we're so conditioned when you go to the doctor's office that you fill out all this information that you're like, oh, it's one more form. But when you're filling out information at your doctor's office, it's for them to help you be healthier and understand you, and then it's all protected by HIPAA. This is information you're filling out that you don't know where it's going, who it's getting sold to, why they're using it. Ivy, uh, to her credit, uh, is a scientist and a researcher herself, so really understood why they shouldn't be doing this, why it doesn't make sense. Even the legal it's not.
2: procedures of how those surveys can even be presented to someone to fill out and the ability to opt out, which those that that process wasn't even followed.
0: I'm also concerned that they're so quick to slap a Band-Aid on it, does that mean there's still underlying problems that they want to say, no, it's taken care of? Because I think this leads to a series of questions of the compromised data, where is it being used, is this the are we to believe that this is the only system that the Department of Health and our medical system is not doing proper research and questions before? Was this an anomaly? And because of the pervasiveness and breadth of this, I fail to believe it's an anomaly. It,
2: it, it's, we, medical privacy has been spoken about a lot lately, and it's been more in the COVID space uh, in vaccine requirements and things like that. And So that's where we've, we've spent a lot of time debating about medical privacy, medical freedom, this is an important story because it's showing that our medical privacy is important, that there are laws to protect our privacy where you have to, you are always given the option to opt out of the type of questions they would like to learn or know about. None of those options were given. The process that they need to legally follow to even qualify a, a survey to present to someone wasn't followed. And then it, it begs the question that Mara just brought up. To what extent is that happening? As a policymaker, HIPAA, our medical privacy stopped us from great innovative ideas of how to reach children in school and and how to educate them and understand what their issues were that we could address and help them. But there are HIPAA laws, federal laws that would prevent us from knowing certain details about these students and their health that were just unquestionable. They weren't ones we could flirt around or or find a rationale to, to not obey. Those laws are there, and they've – as far as lawmakers go, they honor that. To find out that you have a, a Department of Health and hospitals that are violating that, that medical privacy in such a blatant way, and for who knows how long, it, you wonder where else is that happening, and it's sh- – every ounce of that information they've collected ought to be destroyed. It ought to be – they, they did not come by it legally and, they should and be that's taking not something that they've agreed
1: to do. But I should note, um, I know we're running out of time that auditor John Dougal, he called me after seeing this story. He has a meeting set up now on Monday with the health department where he said they're going to be going through question by question where the health department has to defend the reasoning for it being in there. We also have a new position here in the state where there's actually someone who's supposed to be in charge of our private information. And so I think there's some leeway there where maybe they can have some say in what is supposed to be out there. But since airing this story, I've had more concerns because a woman on my face, page said she worked in medical records, specifically birth medical records for IHC. She said that if a woman didn't fill out the forms, they would take them back, go get your medical records, and then fill out the forms for you. And then she said beyond those forms, there's another two pages mothers never get that they just fill out for you and give to the health department. And she said that wow. when you're hired, you go to the health department for the training to do this of how to extract the information, which is personal information, which should be protected by HIPAA, which is insane insane yes yeah
0: i read that on your stream and what, uh, i read twice because i'm thinking i didn't understand what she was saying because it's so shocking
1: yes so we have a million more questions we don't have enough time to talk about Jay. it today so i'm going to follow up with the auditor after he has the meeting on monday so next week hopefully we can discuss a little more maybe where we go from here because it seems like there are i think a lot that's why i'm cantankerous i think this
2: item right i think this topic right here is especially maybe i know
1: mad. we're supposed to govern trust government and just Please. Give them whatever they want, but Jeez. I feel like that's a bad idea. That's all I have to say about that. At the least, all right. Probably Happy illegal. Friday, everyone. Yeah. God bless America. <laughs> have a good weekend. <laughs> meet again. On that note, have a good weekend. Yeah.